ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. That's right, folks. We are back. Another week means another episode of Garage Door Sports. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by Kyle Vardy. Kyle, how are you doing today, my man? Doing good. It's a Saturday with sports. Hopefully the Avalanche figure their shit out and actually win this game today, but that's a whole good story. So. Yeah, we can only hope at this point in time that the Avalanche figure their shit out and win games. <laughs> I mean, they've already clinched a playoff spot, but still, we want more games won. We're going to talk some Super League. Unfortunately, Irfan is not here to join us. He could not make the show. He, everything's fine. He just couldn't make the show. Scheduling conflicts suck. But don't worry. We've brought in some replacements, and they might not talk soccer with us, but they're definitely going to talk the NFL draft with us in our kickoff segment, sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you are looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni, and after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy or visit their website at CanadaKickingAcademy.com. By the way, huge shout out to Gabe, signed with the Tie Cats last week. Gotta love it, representing Garage Door Sports. Really happy about that. Anyways, let's bring in our two guests. Joining us from the Canadian football perspective, once again is my good buddy Wade Zanketa. Wade, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having us on. And Wade, we finally get to bring in your co-host. We've talked about it. We've thought about it. And now he's here. Connor O'Neill is joining us. Connor, how are you doing, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, happy to have you on. We've been talking about it for a while. It's been an idea. I just never had a good reason to have you on, and now we do. <laughs> what you doing there, Kyle? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out my lighting and see what actually looks best, to be honest. So. All of a sudden, I just see him reaching back, grabbing stuff. <laughs> All right, boys. Well. The reason we're having you on, NFL Draft is this Thursday, first round, second round Friday, and the rest of the draft is Friday and Saturday as well. Lots to talk about. The one thing I want to talk about to start is the fact that there are so many QBs that possibly could go in the first round. We're talking five QBs. Some people have all five of them going in the top 10. I think more realistic is probably top 15. Connor, what do you see from this QB class and why is there so many of them going so high? See a lot, <laughs> just a lot of talent, a lot of, you know, different variations of talent. I mean, you got a guy like Trevor Lawrence who can do pretty much anything you need him to do. He's probably the foregone number one, but Zach Wilson crept up. He was one of the few that actually took a rise in, in like from the COVID era NCAA style of football. Uh, Mac Jones, national champion. And then you have Trey Lance and Justin Fields, guys that were, you know, early talk of Heisman candidates, big seasons. Justin Fields, I think he went out there and proved what he needed to prove with the limited season that he had. There's, it's just a, a strong quarterback class this year. And I think, the you know, guys going high is a reflection of that. There's a lot of different talents that can suit a lot of different teams in the NFL this year. 
For sure. And uh, Wade, I don't know about you, but like we're seeing all this talent, but is there some concerns among the five? Like we know Lawrence might be injury prone. We know Fields, we don't, we're not really sure. Uh, Lance is a question mark because he plays for San Diego State. And we don't really know what that North means. Dakota. North, North Dakota, Dakota State. State. Sorry, North Dakota. I always get that wrong. But what's the, what's the questions marks going into the draft for these five guys? Uh, with Trevor Lawrence, you're, it's just kind of like what Justin Herbert got uh, last year, which is paralysis by analysis. Everyone's just kind of watching so much tape that they find they have to criticize something on. Um, so people are like, oh, well, he doesn't throw over the middle enough. Okay, well, they didn't really ask him to, but typically in football, those are the easier throws to make when he's slinging rockets to the uh, outside the hashes. Uh, Zach Wilson, it's the lack of tape, as in he only played one year of high-level football. Um, it wasn't against many top-end teams in college football at that, so there's concerns there. Um, Justin Fields, people – contemplate the consistency in the throwing game i know there has been a lot of pointing to oh well you know it's maybe it's because he doesn't get past his first read that's wrong maybe it's because he you know moves around too much well that's wrong again if you watch the college football playoff and you watch him dice up clemson i mean he showed accuracy but there are times in his game where you know he kind of lets a ball sail but as a young quarterback i think it's your second year starting in college um, you're not going to have every throw down pat unless you are Andrew Luck or one of these guys like Peyton Manning, who was the absolute best. Um, Trey Lance, though, it's just volume. Uh, I think it's less than or just over 500 pa- uh, pass attempts if you include his entire college and high school career. So uh, you look at guys like Wilson, Fields, Lawrence, uh they have a ton of attempts. They have a ton of volume of passes thrown where you could watch the tape. Uh, then Mac Jones is just kind of, where does he fit in today's NFL? You see everyone moving towards mobile quarterbacks. Even the 49ers, they have Jimmy Garoppolo, who can be athletic, but at times is statuesque in the pocket. That's now usually what happens when you have a bad injury. <laughs> yeah, but now everyone wants to throw in Mac Jones to that spot. And it's kind of like, well, what are you really upgrading on with Mac Jones? Because you want to get age. someone who can age. <laughs> you're going to reset the clock financially, but that's, that's really, really Jimmy, all it is. In today's NFL, if your quarterback is 30 years old, like Jimmy Garoppolo, you're looking at another eight years possibly where you could have a top end guy. For sure, and I, I agree with you 100. I think those are those are the logical reasons why people aren't 100 on these guys, Kyle what teams are the ones that are really looking for a quarterback in this first round? I mean, we obviously know Jacksonville, so I'm going to ignore them. We know the Jets are after trading Darnold away. Um, but who who really needs a quarterback in this draft and who's actually going to go for one? Two different questions, but let's see what you say. Well, first off, we just talked about the team, the San Francisco 49ers. There's no other reason why they would have traded up other than taking the quarterback. Right. It just doesn't make sense from where they are. And to me – I would like Justin Fields there, but it seems like they're more leaning towards Mac Jones, who essentially is Jimmy Garoppolo, but a healthier, younger version is basically what he is. And, you know, it had, they had success with Jimmy Garoppolo when he was there, except he got injured. And as soon as he gets injured, then there's a problem. So, well, I mean, maybe he got injured. Up. Kittle got injured. Like half the team got injured this last past well, year. So, I'm not even talking about this past year. I'm talking about years previous where he, he the enough. team looked fantastic. They're all clicking on all cylinders, and all of a sudden, knee goes out. And he's done. Fair enough. But um, other than that, um, 
obviously looking at the Patriots, they, I think they, I think they trade up and go unconventional, get a quarterback just depends how it falls. I think if Mac Jones goes three and Justin Fields falls, look for that lions at number seven and look for the dolphins at six for potential trade-ups. I think the Falcons stay where they are because I think if Pitts falls, it's a no brainer for me. And then at five, I think if, uh, I think I, I personally, I like Sewell there at number five. So I, you know, everybody keeps saying chase, but we'll get into that later. Um, I also look at the bears. I look at the bears potentially trading up at 20. Um, and if they can potentially climb into that top 10, because as, as you mentioned, you, you think, you know, I think all five are going in the top 10. That's just my opinion. And I think it has to be because I don't see a quarterback falling because there's a couple of desperate teams that do need quarterbacks. So, um, so Patriots, Bears, um, even, even potentially the Broncos too. If they're not totally sold on Drew Locke, they could potentially jump up a couple spots at number nine. So They seem to want to give the impression that they're sold on Drew Locke. But everything they do shows me that they're not sold on Drew Locke. Like they want to say that they're sold on him, but there's no real indication that they are. I mean, if, no. Trey Lance, if Trey Lance or Fields is available at nine, I, do, I, I can't see them not taking him at, at them at that point. Like at that point, it's just pure value at that at that aspect. So fair. We'll see. Um, one thing that we've seen over the last few years is that a lot of offensive linemen get taken in the first round because there have been some really good offensive line classes. This year is the opposite of that. The first round will not have very many offensive linemen. In fact, we're talking, well, in comparison to past years, Kyle, I guess I should say. Well, I mean, there's probably five or six that are going to go in the first round. Yeah, but yeah, we've I'm we've sorry. seen like 12 go in the first round the last couple of years, right? So about half. Um What's the reason for this? Is it because of the COVID situation, Connor? Is it just because the class is just really not that good? I think it's just thin. It's just a thin class this year. And yeah, there's not a lot of tape down. You don't get to see what some of these guys that maybe haven't gotten to lay tape down or maybe they're just getting into the role. But like these guys aren't showing things on tape that they normally might be able to. I mean, in uh, you know, in a, in a shortened season, things like that, you don't get – I don't know what I'm trying to go here. I lost my train of thought. But, like, in the, in the short season, um, you don't get the tape down. It's just a thin class. Offensive line is a position that you really, really need to look a lot and look solidly at. I mean, you need, you need to spend time there. It's one of the most – other than quarterback, it's the most position important position on the field. You're trying to protect the quarterback with these guys, right? So, I do think, however, there's some, some good tackle talent and some good interior offensive line talent. But it's back-end talent this year i mean in, in previous years all the offensive line come front end this year i think you're going to see a lot of back end movement in the offensive line class for sure i agree uh wade your thoughts on that yeah i think it's just uh not so much the weakness of the offensive line group this time around but the strength of other groups like we're talking about a tight end in kyle pitts who can go top five we're talking about jamar chase we're not even talking about jalen waddle Devonte smith um Rashad Bateman those are all receivers that are expected to go first round like we just have so many then you have the corners the linebackers um the offensive line though like Connor said with the shortened season the top two on the board Rashawn Slater Panay Sewell both guys opted out of this last year we have not seen them play football in a year so if they had played maybe they'd be pushing even higher than five and wherever Slater falls maybe eight um but right now, that's where they're getting slotted in just with a, a year off tape as well. 
there. And I guess, I guess that does play a factor, right? Like COVID is going to play a factor in this draft. Unfortunately, we don't want it to, but because some players opted out, some people didn't play, some teams didn't play either. So that, that changes some aspects of it, but uh, it's going to be interesting. And I'm, I love watching college football. I did not watch a whole lot of college football this year. I don't know why it just was not on my list of things to do. So Kyle, who, who stands out as a player who might surprise people on, on day one and might jump up draft boards. Um, a surprise. He, he's getting talk right now, but look out for Kadarius Tony wide receiver out of Florida. Um, huge. He's a slot guy and he, and he seems to be, he's the guy who has breakaway speed is really what he comes down to. Um, Obviously, this is a, a semi-deep draft when it comes to wide receivers, but a lot of those wide receivers are going to be gone probably top 15. So any, any team that really needs a wide receiver will be looking in those late teens, early 20s for a wide receiver. You know, I look at potentially like a team like Washington, you know, they got, they got Scary Terry out there, but they don't really have a whole lot of complimentary pieces that can really help. Um, so, you know, I look at him maybe – maybe drafting uh, late first round. Uh, they were originally saying second, third round for him, but maybe late first round on, and, uh, on my end. So. I like that one. I think he fits well in Washington. Uh, Connor, what about you? Guy who's going to surprise people where he ends up. Wade's going to start shaking his head at me. and He's going to say it's a biased pick, but I got to go with my guy, Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, the defensive end. Man, I think he's taken a beating uh, the last few weeks in, the, in mock drafts and things like that. He's starting to slide and slide and slide, but – Whoever's getting quitty pay, and I think it's going to be like that 25 to 32 range, they're getting a dog. Like, they're getting a dog. I watch a lot of Michigan games. Huge Michigan fan. Go blue. But the team. quitty pay is my guy. Connor, I will happily take that pick at number 27. And if he is there, I will happily take quitty pay. I don't well, think it's he's funny because I was looking at I was looking at one of the drafts on NHL.com. Hey, look, it's Ted. Hi, Ted. <laughs> Um, the one on NFL.com has Quiddy Pay going 11th to the Giants, right? Well, the team that I, I, use it. Yeah, I think that's just like a realization of talent there. And I mean, fuck, Gettleman's drafting an offensive lineman. We all know it. He can't help himself. <laughs> hey, trenches and out, trenches and out. <laughs> all right, Wade, give us your guy who's going to surprise. Pay is not allowed anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr., uh, corner athlete from Florida State. Uh, if you look at Florida State's track record for DBs the last couple of years, Jalen Ramsey, Derwin James, got Xavier Rhodes a couple of years before that. Um, they constantly put out studs at defensive back. And Asante Samuel Jr., the only knock is, well, he's a bit short. Okay, so is Denzel Ward with Cleveland. He's phenomenal corner in coverage. Um, Asante Samuel has... A, his father, who played and has worked with him at a pro level for quite some time. Uh, B, he has the top ball skills of most corners or out of all the corners in this draft, in my opinion. Um, The ability to just get his hands in and break up passes is an art, and he does it better than most guys. Uh, J.C. Horn may be close, um, but he's just so physical that most guys don't get the chance to have the ball near him. Um, that's why he's at the top, but I think Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, I'd like to see him around the Saints Packers. Um, I know the Packers really need to address offensive line, but yes. if you look at what to- really, really, really hurt them uh, throughout the season, not just once David Bakhtiari went down, uh, it was the lack of 
a second corner to Jair Alexander, uh, Kevin King needs to leave. Um, so he's Asante fine Samuel as a Jr. three. He's fine as a three. <laughs> yeah, and if you have Samuel there, you can you can move him into a third into a slot spot. But um, I like Asante Samuel Jr. He brings a lot of a lot to the table. I think it's a great call, uh, especially for a draft class where there's a few cornerbacks that might go first round. He might sneak up on uh, on a few uh, draft boards. I want to take a look quickly at Canadians, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it up to you know our Canadian football guys. Um, who's a Canadian to watch out for? Uh, what, Connor, we'll start with you again. Uh, I don't want to like I'm looking at Wade it, here because I think it. we both have the same guy in mind, but it's Javon Holland. The defensive back coming out of Oregon, this dude is special. Um, I mean, in 2019, as a Canadian with Oregon, he was one of the best DBs in the country. One of these guys who chose to opt out, so we didn't get a chance to see him. But then he goes out and has a hell of a pro day. Just blew everybody out of the water. I mean, he benched as much or more, I think, than Alaric Jackson, the offensive lineman. So when you got DBs benching like offensive linemen, that's uh, a pretty good thing to have. His ball skills, too, are are unbelievable. the guy in the air is just special to watch. Um, but I'll let Wade talk a little bit about Javon Holland too. I know he wants to get in on it. Yeah, with Javon, um, we said on our show, he's not the best tackler, but he's a willing tackler. And that's the only hole you can really poke in his game is he doesn't make every tackle. But every time he gets a chance, he's throwing the hat at it. So he's going to get a body there. And I mean, hits the gym a little bit once he gets into the pros. Uh, gets onto their weight training schedule, gets with their coaching. Maybe that becomes a uh, strength in his game. So with Javon Holland, just the sheer willingness of his, of him going into tackles covers up his one true flaw. Um, I think he's a great second round pick. Uh, he's kind of safety number two behind Trevon Morig from TCU. So whatever team mid second round is looking for a safety, I could see him being called up. Fair enough. I like it. Now, before we let you guys go, I do want to get into your team specifically because we all have our own favorite teams. We know that. We're, we try not to, but we all have our favorite teams. Kyle, we'll start with you and your New England Patriots. Where do you think they go first round or where do you think they go in their first few picks? Um, and one player that you want them to take, I guess, should be a good a good add-on to that. Justin Fields. Like, I, I, I'm, I, I'm in love with Justin Fields and what he can bring. There's a lot of people – and the reason why he may not go third is a lot of people doubting his actual dedication to learning the game and, and learning more and more about, you know, studying and whatever it may be. But to me, he's the one who led the big 10 to actually come back and play last year. Um, so like, to me, that shows his dedication to the game by itself. So, you know, if, if somebody's willing to do that and bring football back during a pandemic, that shows all the heart I need on my team. And I got no problem with that. Um, other than that, if if the quarterbacks do not fall, I don't want them trading up for Mac Jones. Mac Jones just to me is not the guy I want for the Pats. He would be basically falling back to what Brady was, but he doesn't have the talent Brady does. So um, that's just me. Uh, if if he's if no quarterbacks available, I want either Jalen Waddell or Devonte Smith. I want a wide receiver, bring some extra weapons, and uh, see hope the hell the Cam Newton figures out how to, figures out how to throw a ball. And um, we can go from there. So, can I add something here, Nick? Absolutely. Uh, on, <laughs> on the commitment thing with Justin Fields, I always laughed at this. This is the same guy that completely changed his diet to go plant based so that he could lean out and get faster and 
contribute more to his team on the field. Like he completely changed an aspect of his life. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, everything is now plant-based because he wanted to be more committed to Ohio state. Like if that doesn't scream commitment to you, I don't know if you know the word properly. I mean, I'm like, like to, that falls right in line with what Tom Brady was doing when he was with the Pats. So, like, to me, it's just a, a straight lineup of perfect <laughs> fit. So, you know, TB12 to JF1. Little TB12 to JF1 action sort of thing. <laughs> we'll get the jersey after we draft it. Too. I guarantee he will have one ordered on DHG before the first round's done. question. <laughs> Um, so I feel that (laughs) I was gonna say Connor who do you want your team to take um well golf Jared no can we take take I'm not running back here man still (laughs) I am I am a diehard through and through loyal Detroit Lions fan I swear I'm sorry I'm not proud of it but I am hey you know what the fact that he's a diehard and hasn't changed his allegiance I give him credit I don't like his team, but I give him credit. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it, it's a tough fight when you have to cheer for that team. I mean, it, it shows his dedication, too. Like, Give him credit. <laughs> I mean, all for it. You know, maybe, maybe Justin Fields lines up there, too. You never know. Hey, it's a dark horse, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. They've been like, you know, I think there's been a lot of smoke of them saying, oh, yeah, we're looking at Fields, we're looking at Fields. But, like, I think it's smoke for the sake of smoke, but they're actually doing it, right? They're like, I don't know, it's like, a reverse smoke screen, if you will. But no, uh, Lions need to, I don't know, they need to replace everything. They need defensive help. They need linebackers. They need linemen. Um, but first and foremost, I guess you got to give somebody Jared Goff to get the ball to. I think they're going to be looking wide receiver. I don't think Jamar Chase is going to be there. Uh, I think he's just too good a wide receiver. Um, you know, if he's there, obviously I'd jump out of my seat if the Lions took him. But I, I'm good with Jalen Waddle. I'm good with Devonta Smith. Either of those guys, I'm the same way. I'm going out and I'm getting a jersey right away. And then I wouldn't be upset if they did take a shot on a guy like Fields. Let him learn behind a guy like Jared Goff. Like, let's not forget, this dude got to a Super Bowl. My, okay, sorry. Sean McVay got the Rams to a Super Bowl, and Jared Goff was along Jared for Goff the ride. Jared Goff was a tool of that team to get him to the Super Bowl. <laughs> but – he still has been there, so he knows what it's like to be a pro. And if that's your move, if he's your stopgap, why not let Justin Fields learn under Jared Goff? So I'd be okay that way as well. But my my feeling on this is wide receiver and or trade back, like like Kyle was saying with the Pats, trade back and go get a guy like Parsons, help your defense out. I like it. I like it. And you know what, Jared Goff, not the worst stopgap quarterback in the NFL. Not the worst. His first few season stats are actually like, I think he's been in the league now, what, four or five years? If you go and look at his stats through the first five years of his career, comped with the first five years of Matt Stafford's career, they are pretty comparable. Yeah. So I'm okay with Jared Goff right now. It's not the worst thing. Like everyone's making fun of it. Everyone's making jokes, but it's not the worst possible thing for the line. It was Um, hard to accept and I knew it was coming. Yeah. (laughs) That's the biggest part, right? Don't worry, I'm gonna have to deal with that in a couple of years, and we'll we'll get to that when my team comes up. But uh, Wade, where are you where do you want your team to go? Well, my team <laughs> well, has two picks, so it changes a bit. Um, honestly, they need they need to address and a perimeter pass or a pass catcher. Uh, Miles Boykin, I love him, but 
he doesn't just separate well enough on intermediate routes. He's more, you can throw him a deep ball, you can throw him a post and he'll go up and get it in a jump ball. But you want that guy that's going to uncover himself on digs, outs, comebacks, hooks. I think that's Rashad Bateman. Um, He brings the size, he brings the flying speed where he can get on top of you and beat you deep. Um, I think with Bateman, it's just a matter of if he's there, do they feel comfortable enough taking a wide receiver in the first round? Because the Ravens have never, and I repeat, never been able to draft good wide receivers in the first round. I mean, I love Brashad Perriman, but there's a reason he was not re-signed. Um, I want to hear that name right now. Why? I don't want him. When you when when we get to Toronto, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you Brashad Perriman. We, we let Kenny Galladay walk so Brashad Perriman could come in and try to run. So Rashad Perriman, Rashad Perriman can fly. Good in Detroit right now. That's that's what. Yeah. He's the number one. He's the number one. <laughs> Tough luck. Guys, we don't need to. We can't, We don't need to pile on Connor here. Okay, let's let him have this and just get past. But uh, I mean, like, but no, like Tyrell Williams. <laughs> Not if you that. have uh, if you have Rashad Bateman, he's gone. Um, you could definitely go pass rush. That wouldn't hurt. I know they have ties, Bowser still, but I have them uh, picking Jason Owe from Penn State, who's just kind of a freak athlete, um, real flexible guy, can get around on the edge, um, bend under some tackles. Uh, I had a player that I would really want them to get, though. It's extremely outlandish that they would get him. It'd be Kyle Pitts. I mean, you want to talk about... <laughs> you don't even have a pick in the top 10. <laughs> No, I said, hey, you said an absolute dream player. Fair enough. I said Fair it's enough. completely outlandish. I know he's going to be gone in the top five, but take in that Lamar Jackson throwing to tight ends has been one of the best combinations in the NFL the last three years. Now you give him a tight end who is as fast as a receiver, but keeps the same body size as a tight end. You could have him and Mark Andrews on the same side of the field, split pits out into the slot, and then you just bully teams because who's going to go that far out into the slot to cover a 265 pound or 245 pound tight end? Like no, no linebacker is going to be able to run with him out there and you're wasting a body. No DB is going to be big enough except for Derwin James to cover him down. So if it was possible, I would love that, but it's nowhere close to being possible. So I'm, I'm okay with it not being Kyle Pitts. Bold, bold one. I like it. I said go big, go home. So I guess you, you listen to me. Um, well, I'm a Packer fan here. Obviously, we need linemen. And after losing Corey Lindsley, the big one, that's a big spot that you need to fill. I like Landon Dickerson from Alabama. I think he would be a nice fit on that line. I think that would be a, a way to go. If we didn't want to go line in the first round, we were willing to wait because there's a chance that Dickerson might still be available in the second round. I doubt it, but he might still be available in the second round when we come up. He should be available in the second round, to be honest. But at the Packer pick, though, that's my concern. Oh, yeah, maybe not. You can get right? twin minors. What are you talking about? The, the crop top. <laughs> second rounder. Throw it in. He, he could be there, too. Um, you already mentioned him though. Uh, Samuel would be a nice fit in, in Packer green, uh, playing on the other side in the cornerback position. It would be a beautiful fit. Depends on how they want to go first round. I could see it kind of both happening. If Samuel is still there, they probably lean Samuel though. I would think, I would think, <laughs> and sorry, Connor, it's uh, it's tough to be division rivals, but not, not for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. Tough for you. 
Yeah, because we don't win. No. I may be a Lions fan, but I'm definitely a self-aware Lions fan. I know where I stand. <laughs> you know what? That's that's all that you can ask for of a fan is someone who is self-aware of their own team and what they're capable of. <laughs> I'm a realist, man. I know we suck. <laughs> All right, well, that will do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you're looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. Visit them at canadakickingacademy.com or follow them on Instagram at canadakickingacademy. Wade, Connor, thank you guys for joining us. If you are looking to follow these guys, which I highly, highly recommend if you are a Canadian football fan or a football fan in general because they cover everything. Um, you can check out their show, Canadian Football Perspective, at CF Perspective on Twitter. Is it the same for Instagram? Mm-hmm. Same for Instagram. There you go. Uh, if you are looking for Connor on Twitter, it's at Connor R. O'Neill. Uh, if you're looking for Wade, it's at Wade Zank, Z A N C 27, because he's a football player and he thinks he's cool. So he has to have his number in his Twitter I- handle. I haven't worn 27 in six years. I didn't wear it at university. I can attest yes, to that. Yes, but he thinks he's cool, so he has to keep it in. Uh, I've had Twitter since grade 10. <laughs> you can change it, though. You do know that, right? What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> in the world, in the world. Anyways, Connor, thank you for joining us. Wade, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll definitely have you guys on again soon. Um, and for everyone else, make sure you follow them on Canadian Football's per- Perspective. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. No problem. We're going to take a quick break here. And after the break, me and Kyle are going to talk a little European Super League because that's all it is. There was only around for a short amount of time. Uh, But all that and more right after this. We are back, Kyle. Um, big news this week, which uh, we tried to cover with the network. Me and Irfan jumped on quickly, uh, scheduling. You couldn't come because of some scheduling issues, and that's fine. Things happen. Um, <laughs> the European Super League. Last week, 12 teams formed a or signed an agreement to form a European Super League with three more apparently signing on by the end of the season, and it was going to be a 20-team Super League. And then all hell broke loose this week and (laughs) there's not going to be a league but before we get into it collapsing and the the atrocity that it was Mm -hmm. what was your original thoughts when it came when this came out when the news broke that the 12 teams especially because we know your team is chelsea i'm I'm united our teams were in this like this is something that we were paying attention to what was your Mm -hmm. original thought not surprised to be honest it's like one of those like um Everybody, everybody talking about this always goes immediately to it's American backed owners, and that's why they're stealing English football. They're just in it for the money, which 100% they were. I'm not denying oh, that. A couple of them are English owners. Let's make it, or you're American owners. A couple of them aren't American owners, but still they want money. Like, same thing. I but, get it. But, but 
immediately there were people saying, oh, this is America ruining uh, British sport. I'm like, yeah, go away. It's like, like, relax there. Um, initial thought was, I was kind of surprised with like Arsenal being in there. Didn't really, like I see them obviously wanting to join purely for the money. Do they deserve to be there? Not even freaking close. Leicester um, deserves to be there more than Arsenal. Yeah, 100%. And, and it was like, it was one of those, I understood it. But at the same time, I understood why it also collapsed too, right? It's, it's one of those like, would something be like that be great? Yes, but UEFA would never let that happen because it would be out of their hands and they wouldn't have control over it is the biggest thing. Well, that um, was, that's basically what they wanted Champions League to be, right? Like the original point of Champions League was you have the best teams from across Europe playing in this midweek tournament. Yeah. Now these big teams are trying to turn it into a guarantee that they're going to be in the tournament, even if they don't deserve to be there. Like United didn't deserve to be in Champions League this year. They were. They probably didn't deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. Arsenal had no business being in Champions League this year. Yeah. And weren't. Guess what? And, That's how it works. <laughs> and I think the biggest thing with the Super League is with the influx of money, all these teams would have, would have been able to go out and sign all these top players who are on transfer or whatever it may be. So the Arsenal, who may not have competed, could go out and sign a couple of top players with that extra influx of money and be like, hey, let's do this. So, Well, it sounds like they couldn't, though, because those players who play in the league wouldn't have been able to play international soccer. That's a, that's a whole different thing. That, yeah. that was with all those sanctions. Then that's when it like, utterly collapsed, basically because of those sanctions, because all these players are like, hey, I want to play nationally or I want to play, you know, in the actual EPL, and if we're going to get banned from that in national league, like, no, I'm good. I don't really care about the super league. So, so let's let's get into the let's get into the fallout now because it this was Sunday afternoon. It was like just after noon, um, last Sunday when this all broke, and I I'm, I think you and me and Irfan started messaging like immediately, like, what the hell is this shit? Well, it's it, it happened real quick and. Monday, me and Irfan jumped on to talk about it. And then by Tuesday, six teams had pulled out. Yep. Like That's how fast this Super League came and went. And right away, UEFA and FIFA put some sanctions in place to say, listen, like if you guys do this, it's not going to happen. Players wouldn't be allowed to play international soccer. The clubs would not be allowed to play in any domestic leagues, cups, uh, competitions. They would not be able to play in any European competition. So Champions League and Europa League would be out for these teams, which was their goal. So I guess that one wasn't as big of a At sanction. That point, they, don't, they don't care whether they're in those or not. Yeah, in, in the Champions League Europa, that was kind of the wash. But they wouldn't have been allowed to at any point. Uh, or teams that played for the year. Because don't forget, there was five spots that were going to be rolled out every year. So a team that goes in for a year, they wouldn't be allowed in the next year. Yeah. So there's a lot that was going on. Uh, I think the big one was the players wanting to be able to play because if they weren't allowed to play in domestic leagues, right, and they weren't yeah. allowed to play in domestic cups. They're playing one game a week, and that's it. And it's not even that. Because you have to think, like, the big thing about playing in a domestic league, you're playing once a week, but it's not every week because there's international breaks and there's all this other stuff. So it's once a week during season outside of breaks you're also playing all the league cups and domestic cups and champions league and stuff these guys are used to playing 60 games a year at least yeah they would have been down to 38 
Like that is that is not okay. <laughs> I mean, those guys probably, would not be happy. It would probably do great for people who are injury prone because then they <laughs> Pogba. Like then, then your then your body's not breaking down as much, so they might have been okay with that. Maybe the older players, but at the same point, those older players still want to get the last years they can out of you know your national team or whatever it may be. So it was kind of a catch twenty two for some of the players. Um, to me, UEFA has to be careful because if they do all these sanctions and say, "Hey, you're not playing national and all kind of stuff," they're the one. The UEFA is going to be the one who hit, gets hit the hardest in South America. Yeah, yeah, that too. But those two would be hit the hardest. It'd be it'd be hit the hardest because all of a sudden the quality of football that they're getting goes down, like takes a nosedive compared to what they're going to get. Oh, 100%. So, so it's one of those like they have to be careful. Yes, you can sanction the teams. Well, FIFA was the one saying that they couldn't play international. No, no, I, I understand that, but I'm saying like, but UEFA and FIFA both have to be careful with the players and doing sanctions on the players rather than the teams and the owners themselves. Because if they put it on the players, that's a that's a very thin line that they can they can potentially cross w- without hurting themselves. But the way I took it was that the players wanted didn't want to play in it anyway. Like that wasn't the, this league was not for the players. This league was for the owners, hundred percent. No, and, and I'm not saying that. I'm saying obviously it was for the owners. It was all about money and it was literally about just trying to basically trying to keep all the money in their own club rather than having the trickle down effect to other teams. It's basically yeah. what it was. Right. Exactly. So, but what, but it's like one of those, like if, you know, if something else tries to pop up and it's like a, for the players thing, players want to go for this and UEFA FIFA shut it down, then we can have another conversation. That's, because yeah. it's gonna be like, then it's going to be like, well, first off it, it, it's all oh, what, what FIFA and UEFA, you just want money now. So it's going to be the, literally a flip side of the coin where it's the players want to play this for the players and, you know, for the fans and all that kind of stuff. But then all of a sudden it's going to be UEFA fever, like, no, 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 no. We're not making enough money. You ain't doing that type of thing. So, well, uh, if something like that pops up, we'll see. That's a different conversation. But for this one, like the way I took it was the players didn't want to play in it. So they were going to find every way possible to get out of their contracts so that they could go play in on, on a team that wasn't in this Super League so that they could continue to play national soccer. So FIFA was probably thinking, okay, these guys don't want to play in it. Let's put the sanction in. Let's let's talk with UEFA. We'll put the sanction in so that it kind of gives them even more reason to get out of their contracts and get out of this league yeah. and so that they can go play international. Like That would be the way to do it. If you want to ruin the Super League before it even starts – you pull all the good players out by saying, yeah, if you want to play national soccer, you got to go play for somebody else. And we talked about this, uh, me and Irfan, but do you think players would have been willing to take a pay cut for a year to do that? Because they would have had to, let's be honest. They wouldn't have been making the same wages if they weren't on these big clubs. There's no, no doubt about it. To be honest, uh, it depends. I think it depends on, I think there'd be a lot of people that would go, to China and that kind of stuff where they're going to get the same wages, but they're playing national football or whatever, maybe as well. Yeah. You know, they're not going to go to Leeds United and get 75. Well, actually Leeds might be a decent spot to go. Cause Leeds actually came into a good chunk I of mean, money. money you know, well, yes. Okay. So let's look Leeds at is a bad way. example, but I know what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Well, Leeds like, like a, a, middle, a middle team in the EPL yeah. who is going to pay you 75,000 a week compared to, you know, 150 of what you're already making, right? Yeah. So you're literally taking half your pay cut. I don't think players would do that just to play for one year. I, 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 I think it depends on what country they, they're from. Well, but like to me, to me, I look half those players would go to the German league 
immediately. Yeah. Because like, like Bayern and, and, and Red Bull and all that kind of stuff wouldn't have faced the sanctions because they they were pretend they were supposed to be the next three going in. Apparently, two of two of the three were supposed to be going in. But but they never got anything like that. So who knows what would have happened? But to me, like you look at like those teams that didn't go in, like PSG didn't go in. You know, who they else? Well, sure, but who else would have gone to PSG if they didn't end up going in, right? Yeah, that's true. Like, it's like one of those, like, what else do they need? Well, now you have your pick and choose of, of the top players because they're like, hey, we want to play. And now all of a sudden you're looking at PSG as a, as a goddamn super, like a super house of just all the superstars and just like, it's, they immediately become a super team. It's just amazing. So, yeah, it's uh, the possibilities were really endless when it comes to that. Yeah. And obviously we're not going to see it because the next day, all the English fans rioted, basically. <laughs> and I think the big thing that was that's going to get lost on, on why the fans were so upset, it wasn't the fact that these teams were going and leaving the domestic league. That wasn't the reason. The reason was is because they're taking games out of country. Yep. Right? Where these fans can't go and travel. They can't, gra- they can't jump in their car and drive to Madrid. No, because like, sorry, you you can. It's just not a realistic drive in a day. Like a lot, a lot of football fans are the the common work nine to five Monday to Friday type fans, where on the weekend they go and watch their team and, and cheer on their team. They they're, they're not the, these these football fans are not the one. They're not loaded by any means. Right? No, like, there's a few, but they're, they're all, it's all like hard, but, it's like Toronto fans, right? Like some people are loaded, but the people who watch Toronto games are the people from Toronto. Oh, 100%. And it's like, it's the people that are loyal. It's been in their family. They've that, that family has cheered for that team for centuries, if not like years, whatever it may be. You know, it's in their blood, as, as they say. Um, the, and that comes to an end. You know, the, the people that benefit from this were the owners and the online fans. This had like the actual fans that go and watch these games were the ones that are getting hurt. The online fans were benefiting because they're going to be able to watch it on TV and be able to watch the best best football on tv and every single game in that league would be televised so yeah but here's the other thing would the games be as good because they're not there's no chance of losing anything in those games right you can't lose you can't get relegated you can't miss out on this league next year you were guaranteed a spot so is there the same incentive to play the game right whereas in the epl every game means something yeah Maybe at the end of the year when spots are kind of decided, it doesn't mean as much, but they still mean something to, to one of the two teams. So at least one of the teams is trying. Same in La Liga, same in Syria. The Super League, that wouldn't have been the case for these 15 teams. The other five teams, maybe. But those 15 teams would not have cared as much. So maybe the game would have gone down. We don't know. Like, obviously, that's that's speculative, and I'm, I'm making that as an assumption. But we don't know what would have happened. No, for sure. And, and I, th- I think it would have come down to... Um, probably the dedication of the players themselves. I think it would have, would have really would have come down to it. It's one of those, you know, if you're, if you're, I'll say Chelsea, for example, right? You know, you're not going to get relegated. Do you start giving your youngsters more time to play, right? Does it create more opportunity for players to actually play? Because maybe your starting nine isn't going to play all the time because they're just, you know, hey, we'll play against the top teams. You know, Barca's is in there, Real's in there. We're playing against them. But if we're playing Arsenal, I'm good. I'll take a seat on the bench. Right. Yep. Maybe does it create a more opportunity for t- players in that team? Sure. It probably could have, but does that benefit the game? I don't, I don't know. I think it, I think it benefits the game for having more players exposure and, you know, more development for younger players who may not necessarily have gotten a chance, 
But at the same time, is the quality of football still there? I don't know. And that's that was my biggest concern is that is the quality going to be there? And are the fans going to be able to go see the game? Because as much as we love watching the game, like I've never been to an EPL game. It's on my bucket list. I will get there eventually. You know, as we say, when the world becomes normal again, whenever that happens, I will get to a game in England at some point, hopefully with you or Irfan or my father, somebody will go with me to watch one of these games. Yep. But are the fans going to be there? Because that's what makes those big games the big games. The Liverpool United matches are so much fun because of fans. I got to watch Liverpool United preseason at the big house. It was packed in Michigan. And they sang You Never Walk Alone before the match in Michigan, they sang the song and I was, I had shivers. Yeah. Like it was so cool. That's what makes these games. It's not the fact that it's United versus AC. That's a fun game, but the rivalry is not as big. The Liverpool United fans are the ones that make the games. The Chelsea United fans, the city United fans, the Arsenal Tottenham fans, right? The Real versus Barca fans. Those are the ones, those are the games that matter. Yes, they're fun to watch the top players, but it's the fans in the stands that make the games. And if you can't have them at the game, what's the point? Atmosphere is everything, right? Exactly. It's like having a home game in any sport. Yeah. You're so so much more pumped up. You're so much more ready for the game when it's your home fans going. And and a soccer match is, is no different but it's almost better in a way because you have the opposing fans who are cheering for their team just as loudly. Right. You know, it may not, may not have as many uh, of, of them in the stands if you're, if it's an away game, but trust me, they are trying to be just as loud as the three quarters fans of home, home fans. Yeah. They're going back and forth. It's like, like when I was in Ireland, Celtic Rangers, like it's nuts. You, you cannot, they literally, they have security down the middle of the field. The old on, firm. Of the, of the of the stadium because if you get caught wearing a, a celtic jersey in the rangers stadium you're dead you're screwed you're, you're dead it's, it's like it's one of those like football like that that's what people want to see because they want to see the intensity they want to see the passion they don't give a, if a team wins one nothing and like the fans are like woo like it's just not they're the happy they won but it's not as big of a deal but it's not the same you know if real barca goes down to penalty kicks and all of a sudden both fans are going nuts it makes it that much more intense. It makes it that much better to watch. Like it's just things that we wouldn't necessarily get if the Super League was happening. And do you know how important fans are? Uh, I don't know if you know this, Kyle, but a, f- a while back, the EPL instituted a rev- a provision in their league that if you are in the league, you are not allowed to have a track around your field. Like you know how some some European stadiums have a track around the soccer field. Yeah. The reason for that is is because they wanted the fans basically on top of the field because they knew how important the fans were. Yeah. So why would you go from something that like that where like United, Chelsea, Liverpool have lived this for so long? That's the mindset that they've been behind. These guys, United was a working class team when it started. It had a different name. But it was a working class team that worked their way up. Yes, they're not the working class team they were one once upon a time. They're now one of the most expensive teams in the world. But the roots are there. Why would you go against your roots? I just never understood it. And like it fell apart quickly. There's still gonna be push. Like the Real Madrid 
uh, president is still trying to get it to happen, but he's kind of stepped back now. That's because Real has no money left because they put it all in the stadium they're building. That's why. Well, no, they put it all into Ronaldo. Well, that, that, that was the problem. They put everything into Ronaldo and then decided, oh, yeah, we have to pay other people. But the, the, Oh, sorry, no, Real, Real's bankrupt. It was Juventus who's building the new stadium. Sorry, that's what it was. Yes. Thank Juventus. you. What's the, com- what's the common denominator? Well, I guess it is Ronaldo, technically. <laughs> um, but they also just have no money in general. That's the biggest thing. Because like they, they've they outreached so far, and now they're like, oh, crap, pandemic hit. We don't have the same stuff coming in as we did before we're losing money Uh oh (laughs) not good so they're and they're still pushing like perez is saying that these contracts that were signed which i didn't know was a contract it sounded like it was an agreement earlier this week that they were going to try to push forward with it it never sounded like a contract seven hours ago an article came out on uh, bbc sport saying that perez is saying they have binding contracts these 12 clubs interesting so I, I don't really get how he's going to enforce the binding contract. Um, but like even JP Morgan said that they were backing out of the league who was financially backing it. And now he's saying, Oh no, 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 they haven't abandoned us. Like what? Hold on. They, like the, the company said that they've abandoned you. Like, what are you talking about? He is adamant that this is going forward. And I still don't know how he's, how he's going to get that to happen. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, at a certain point, I think they're grabbing for straws right now, and they're they're just hoping the hell that somehow they can get this to work. And maybe they need to work with FIFA and UEFA and and, and actually make this like some sort of league where, you know, like obviously they're gonna they're gonna want some sort of kickback. But maybe it's you know, eight teams are stuck in there, and then there's, you know, twelve teams who can get relegated type thing, right? Yeah, and you know what? If they turned it, or even if they turned it into a sixteen uh, team tournament, right? Yeah. You have the 16 teams you want every year. So you have Real, Barca, Atletico, Dortmund, Munich, PSG, the six English clubs, uh, Milan, Juventus, Milan, whoever you yeah. want in there, right? You set the 16 teams you want in there. Make it a preseason fucking tournament. Pardon yeah. my language. I, I hate using that, but make it a preseason tournament or an early season tournament. Yeah. Right? Turn it into the pre-Champions League Champions League. The big league or something, whatever. And just have a preseason tournament. That way, you're guaranteed to play. The money stays within those 16 clubs. It stays within UEFA as well. And you don't have to... You don't screw anybody over. Like, why Why ruin it? Especially at the beginning of the year. Like, beginning of the year, you want to give young players a chance to play games. Well, perfect. Give them the regular games, the the EPL games against the lower seated, the lower seated teams, right? Yeah. Let these let the big guys play in this big league. I'm not going to call it the Super League because that will get people confused, right? Oh, yeah. Have them play a, a quick knockout tournament. Two, not even two legs. Sixteen teams. Your four four legs, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eight weeks. It's two months at the beginning of the year, September to October. I mean, it would make sense. Like, like logically, that's what you want. You just want a chance to make more money. Here's a chance. Work with UEFA so that they can allow it. Make it a sanctioned event. Right? Make sure they get their money, obviously. Right? Well, yeah. But that's the thing. Like, if you guarantee it, they will make the money. 100%. UEFA will make the money, and these clubs will be guaranteed the money. 
they will make it work. Don't you worry about that. They will find a way to make that work. I know, but it just sounds like they're trying to do something that doesn't make sense when there's a clearly logical option laid out that they could do. If you wanted 20 teams for some reason, have four play-in games. I don't care. Like the the lowest eight teams have to play a play-in game. Yeah, I mean like... 20 teams every year. Like it would make sense. And and like, honestly, it's one of those... There's so many opportunities for this this Super League to actually, you know, it, it can happen. Don't get me wrong, but I think it has to be the right way, and yeah. and I think it has to be, you know, obviously it's 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 fair play to everybody, but realistically, I still think there needs to be like that core that you know is going to be there. Well, and, that's what I'm like I, I get I get why they wanted to do this because they want the core, and the core yeah. is the big draw. I get that. So make this the the big draw league or whatever. I don't care what you call it, where it's the 20 teams that you set. These clubs come together. They pick which 20 teams they want in the competition every single year. Yeah. Right. Or you have 16 teams every single year. And then the next four are like the highest rated clubs outside of the 16. Right. Yeah. And then the bottom four teams have to play a playing game against those four clubs. Yeah right for that specific tournament. Like there are so many different ways to make it happen and it guarantees them that they play at least one game or two games. If you want to do a double, like a double knockout or a a draw sort of thing, there's so many different ways to do it. And they want to make a league this way and totally screw themselves because they knew as soon as they made this statement on Sunday, that there was going to be backlash from UEFA. There was going to be backlash from FIFA. I don't know if they knew that there was going to be backlash from the players and the fans, but they knew there was going to be backlash and they still went ahead with it. I just don't get it. Yeah. And and that's what, like, to me, the biggest thing is I don't understand like these teams, like obviously it came out like Chelsea and Liverpool or no Chelsea and Man City were, were very hesitant about doing it to me. Like I get that they, 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 did it because they didn't want to feel left out, which I understand. Yeah, but especially because the they point, want to be part of the big six. Yeah, but at the same point, I think it comes down to like, like you had your opportunity to make a stance and be like, you know, the, nah, the, we're good. No, but but it's like you had a, ch- a chance to be the teams for the people, and you literally would have got probably a ton of supporters who immediately like. There's a lot of supporters like Liverpool, United. They lost a lot of fans and. And huh. I don't know. Actually, man, you might have actually gained some fans back because apparently uh, Woodward's out and people are ecstatic, including well, myself. We got fans back because he's gone. Yeah. So, but it's one of those like, like you could have taken a stance and then in that aspect, you would have been regarded as like the people's team. Like, and you look at Man City. Man City is winning the Premier League this year, you know? And if they would have said, hey, well, like, are you like, they're I know, nine it's, I know it's sad though. I'm not. I'm not happy about it. But they are winning the league. Like Continue. they're winning. It's, it's just how it is. But, Continue. Um, but like, you know, you're top in the Premier League. You're a top team in in arguably the world. Like you're one of the top teams in the world. They're they are they are the best team this season, in my yeah. opinion. And that's that hurts to say. And, and so like you had a chance here where I oh, don't think you need money to be honest. I know for a fact Chelsea does not need money because Roman's got a shit ton. So, <laughs> but but it's one of those like you had an opportunity. It, it, it's like uh, we we'll go back to like the, the women's um, with with bar stools, right? Going like that. There's a, there was an opportunity here for somebody to take a stand and make a statement, and they dropped the ball. Yep, 
So, so to me, I think they missed out. But if they can can come together with UEFA and FIFA, this could be a benefit for a lot of teams, you know. And and yes, it is the higher end teams, but the higher end teams make it so that those lower end teams can make more money. So, so I, it, it's it's the trickle downs, the waterfall effect, whatever you want to call it. It's needed in football, but as as we were saying a couple of weeks ago the competition level is even better in the EPL. So if there's more money coming in, those middle league teams that are, are competing right now could potentially even push in the top six, top four, whatever it may be. Well, so, we're seeing it this year. We're yeah. like Realistically, there are two teams in the top five that I don't think at the beginning of the season we had in the top five. 100%. And, and one one might have been. The other one had no shot. Leicester was iffy. West Ham out of left field. You never know. <laughs> but, um, but it's one of those like, if there's more money going for those teams and they're already competing now, what does the future hold? So, yeah. so I think there's definitely an opportunity here that they could take advantage of. They just got to do it the right way. hundred percent. I agree with you 100%. And I, I hope that they come together and work out a way to do it because it would benefit soccer if they could do it properly. Mm-hmm. I was seeing a lot of people saying, well, this is only a good thing for soccer because you're going to have the best players in the same league. Well, yeah, but that's not what soccer is. Like soccer isn't the league. Soccer is the league and the cups and the tournaments. Like it's everything. If you take out all the rest of that and just have the league, I feel like people wouldn't be as happy with it. Whereas like NFL is just the league. NHL is just the league. Like you're not having tournaments. You have the playoffs, right? Which I guess is technically a tournament, but it's, it's not the same as the tournaments that they play over there. Soccer has always been all of these domestic cups, all of these champions leagues and European leagues, all the preseason tournaments that these guys go in. Like that's the, that is what makes soccer so accessible. And you almost lost it in my opinion. And that's, that's the hard part. Yeah. Um, Slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. You are right. Uh, Anything else you want to add on before we uh, give our final thoughts here, Kyle? Um. I'm happy. Well, Chelsea won today, so they they they're securing more of a better spot in the top four. So I'm happy about that. That's for sure. Um, Colorado is going to cost me money because they're down four three now. So that's a whole different issue. But um, we let Mike Hoffman score. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. Man, we're not oh, going to talk. About that. Um, well, honestly, it's coming down to it. It's uh, I'm I'm excited for the end of this EPL season. Um, yes. I think it's going to be a, a it's going to be a dog fight from eight to three, like basically anywhere from well, like even United, if they fall off a little bit potentially, but I think United is okay. Especially the way they've been playing recently. Like they had a really tough to start. Let's not forget United was bottom half at one point. Oh, hundred percent. Like right? there's seven, seven clear in second. So like there's seven like, clear and haven't lost a game in their last five. Yeah. Like they should be fine. So, you know, they're, they're not like Liverpool who ties, who the hell did they tie today? Fucking Newcastle. Tied Newcastle, gave up a goal in the 90 plus five to tie the game. Fergie time. You don't deserve to win. Go away. So, um, like, to me, it's going to be a very interesting battle for three to eight. Like, you look at Everton at eight, they're seven points back of Leicester for third. So, you know, if there if any shifts go one way or the other, it, it could be a great battle for those end spots. So, who, to me, who that's the thought Everton would have been within striking distance of Champions League this year. I mean, like they're five, they're six points back at Chelsea, and they got a game in hand. So, like, it's one of those you never know. 
like Everton wins and they jump to fifth technically taking over West Ham. So it'll be interesting. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, I'm excited to see what goes on from there. And, and uh, you know, after all the negativity we had at the Super League, now we have some positivity coming for the end of the EPL season. So. Yeah. Let's not forget too that Chelsea or Leicester are guaranteed a spot in Champions League next year. Yes. yes. Because they're, they're in FA Cup. Well, and Chelsea's in the champ. Chelsea's still in the Champions League. So if they win, if they win the Champions League, then we get another berth into Champions League. So fifth goes in. West Ham going to West Champions. Ham. Oh God, who would have thought West Ham would be up there? My goodness. I mean, like that would be interesting. That would be that would people would lose their minds if Chelsea drops out and West Ham ends up in that fourth spot. People would lose their minds. In England, if Chelsea can upset Real, which there is a potentially there is that, a chance. We as, as we talked about, there's a chance. It would be, it'd be interesting. I think the most interesting for Champions League would be if it ends up being a City Chelsea Champions League. It means it means the EPL gets a spot no matter what. That is true. That is true. So, um, that could be uh, could be interesting if both of those go through. So, and uh, if who's who's still in Europa? Um. Because I think, because United's still in Europa, right? Arsenal and United are both still in Europa. Yeah. So there's a chance that we get two guaranteed spots in Champs League. So there could be six teams potentially in Europa or Champs League. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, one of them might be Arsenal, though. So. It... Well, and then and then Leicester, Chelsea also have FA too. Yeah, but that means like. They're they're that would take away fourth spot. Oh yeah, I was, I'm thinking yeah. If, if Lest, well, what if Leicester falls out but wins wins the FA Cup? Whoever's in fourth no longer gets to go to champs. Oh okay okay. Yeah, they go they go to Europa. Yeah, it's I mean, a it's a mess. <laughs> There's so many permutations that could happen over the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, the biggest thing that I'm hoping for. Is I'm hoping for Chelsea to shit on Real because especially if Real's president saying like, "Hey, you can't leave the, the Super Club or Super League," uh-huh, and, then screw they, you. and then they get beat out. Oh, it'd be just it would be amazing. Well, be at like, one point this week, I laughed so hard. So the news came out Sunday afternoon, right about the Super League. Yep. The next 48 hours, teams in the Super League went 0 three and one. Yeah. <laughs> Like they couldn't pick up wins against like bottom class teams. The only person to pick up a point was Liverpool against Leeds. Uh, Chelsea got a point against. Uh, oh, okay, it might have been on the Tuesday. On the Tuesday, at least. Oh, so no, that's forty. I was saying in the within forty-eight hours. So that would that was another point. So there you go. Like it was oh three and two or something. Like just something stupid. No one could win a game after the Super League crap. So United thankfully got their game in before because they won. <laughs> I mean, like, like Arsenal literally got in on the Sunday, but they tied Fulham on that day. It's like, all right, no, just if you, you tie Fulham, you're out. Sorry, bye. Well, that's the thing. Like that came out, but that like the news came out before the Arsenal game. The news yeah. came out after the the United game. So United got their win in before the news. Right. And Arsenal was the first team to lose. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, you lost to Fulham. You don't really deserve to be here. <laughs> you're also uh, in ninth. Let's remember that. Sorry, Haley. We did a lot of talk about uh, Ohio State's Justin Fields. So, I mean, we, we covered our Haley 
quota for the day. Oh, 100%. I, no problem. I, Ohio State, yeah. O-H-I-O. <laughs> Haley will love that. I will make sure I message her to listen to the end of the show. Just I, to I hear you say O-H-I-O. Notre Dame stuff, too. Like I know, but you just did the O-H-I-O. She'll be so happy about that. I mean, give me fields, and I'll, I'll do that all the time. I got no problem with that. Oh, oh, oh. Anyways, uh, let's let's jump. What? Just imagine the Pats getting a top quarterback and being contention again. You won't be able to stand it. Yeah, but here's the here's my thing with you, and folks, you can listen to this as much as you want. This is a very important thing about Kyle. Kyle's not an ass when his team is doing well. No, Kyle is a respectful, respectful Patriots fan. He's proud of his team, and he'll let you know, but he doesn't rub it in your face, thankfully. Justin, on the other hand, when the Steelers are doing well, you will never hear the end of it. Oh, I can't wait for this year when they have no corners and there's people who go bomb, like bomb it against them. Yeah, I, I would like to think I'm a pretty quiet Packer fan. I don't say a whole lot. I was very vocal when they picked Jordan Love last year. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm a pretty quiet Packer fan, right? I would like to think that. There's there's some people that you can deal with their fandom. You're one of them. So I don't care if your Patriots do well. I really don't want Ohio to do well. <laughs> Sorry, Haley. <laughs> um. Anyways, Kyle, let's get to our final thoughts. Let's get out of this show because it's just it's been a long one. Ironically, we thought it was going to be short. It was not short. Mm-hmm. Um. Final thought for the week, my friend. Final thought. Uh, honestly, I think I have to go NFL draft. Um, you know, we're potentially going to try and uh, try and do something, maybe a video or something that we can all kind of uh, be involved with that, obviously. Um, I love draft time. I love NHL draft, NFL draft, because honestly, the flurry of moves and the picks off the board, it's just an exciting time. You know, sometimes it's better than uh, sometimes it's better than some of the games that are actually played. So um, I love I love the people who just completely guess sometimes on who's going to get picked. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm doing a mock draft right now. Um, I try to put everything together and see where everybody's going to go. But it's tough. At this point, it's darts on a dartboard because I don't even know if that team's going to be picking at that spot anymore, right? Yeah. It's going to be like, you know, the Steelers are picking at 24. Are they still going to be there at 24? They're going to jump up and try and get somebody they know. Who knows? I have no clue. So it's the excitement of that for me um, coming up on Thursday. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping the week fly by flies by with work and uh, it gets to Thursday real quick. So. Yeah, that might be the first time we actually get to sit in the same room. In a long time, yes. In a long time. <laughs> uh, but that'll be a lot of fun. We will try to bring you something in some capacity, whether it is live or if it's just through Twitter videos and stuff like that. We will find a way to bring you some analysis while the draft is going on, while we are covering it. We got some really cool graphics coming for you this year vastly updated our graphics from last year. I don't know if you remember those, Kyle. They were they were nice, but not great. Uh, they were not all the way up to date. They were they were up to date at the time for us. Um, graphics wise, not all the way up to date. Fair, but for us, they were fully up to date. They, they were top of our capacity. Yes, our capacity has grown significantly over the last. Yes, year. yes, indeed. It has. Um. My final thought, dude, is uh, the Jays are in a very interesting spot. Springer is going to be coming back. Pe- uh, Pearson is throwing some games, so he's being stretched out right now. Uh, Romano is back today. 
I don't know how he if he got into today's game or if he will get into today's game. They haven't started yet. Oh, yeah. it actually just started five thirty actually. Yeah, I don't know if he'll get into today's game, but he is back. Chatwood is back, and he looked really good yesterday. Um, Vladdy is just ridiculous right now. <laughs> Bo can tear the cover off a ball, but not throw one to first. I'm very scared Vladdy's going to get his wrist broken by all the throws up the line because he doesn't know how to play them properly. I mean, he's a moron for trying to grab that ball. You don't reach into the line. Like- I know. But the problem is he doesn't know that, right? Like he doesn't know how to properly approach a ball that's down the line because he hasn't before this. Think about who was throwing to him the last few years from second and third, right? Or last year, right? But now they have Biggio throwing from there or Panic, who could not throw a ball yesterday. And Bichette, I'm sorry, I think the Bichette at short, it needs to end. I I hate to say it. Give me Javi Baez in the offseason and I'm laughing. We're good. But I I hate to say it because I I know he wants to play there. I don't think he's destined to play short. I think he's a second baseman. I think honestly, I think as of next year, or this is we'll, we'll talk about this after. But yeah, I, I think Bichette goes third, Biggio to second. Bichette can't to, throw from third though. I, the throw from third is easier than the shortstop because you don't have to go across your body as much comparatively, right? You have, you have to move third. No, base. I, I always found the short throw easier, but that was just me, I guess. That's why I find it weird that a lot of shortstops like end up moving the third base if they have a strong arm, right? It's it's kind of weird in that aspect, I guess. Um, I mean, like, Bo has a strong arm. He just he tries to do too much all at once. But we can talk about that. After. Yes, I that's think, a different, I think, that's I different think, conversation. I think the Jays definitely need to go after a shortstop in the offseason, but that would be my final thought on that one. So. Yeah, but I, I think it's just a fun time to watch. And by the way, Steven Matz looked really good up until that one inning, and after that one inning, he was fine again. And even that, I actually, I wouldn't even say he looked bad in that inning. He got out of that inning mm-hmm. if it wasn't for two errors. Yeah, 100%. Right, like he, he got the ground balls that he needed to get out of the inning. <laughs> no, absolutely, and it's just you know, honestly, it was a defense that uh, kept that a game. But hey, they teed off on one of the best pitchers this season in Glass now, uh, and I'm I'm excited for this team. They're starting to come into form. They're getting healthier. They could push for this AL East crown more than I thought at the beginning of the year. I wasn't sure how everything would come together. I'm becoming more confident every game that I see. Yeah, 100%. So, anyways, we will wrap this up. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for us on Twitter, you can follow the network at Garage Door Sport. If you're looking for myself, it's at Nick McVicker, M-C-V-I-C-A-R, because everyone spells it wrong for some reason. If you're looking for Kyle, check him out at Kyle Vardy. Both of those are also our Instagram handles. So if you want to look us up on Instagram, you can as well. If you want to check out the website at garagedoorsports.com, lots of cool stuff on there. Um, 20 minutes on ice page is fully renovated. Uh, We were working on it, me and Ryan, and now it's all up to date. Uh, We will be trying to keep all the pages a little bit more up to date as well. Other than that, We want to thank you for listening and we will see you next time.